Good morning. The psalmist said, and I say too, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And we're gathering in to worship and pray and hear God's word together today and to encourage each other. Amen. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit that filled those awaiting, uh, praying, seeking believers. We call that the birthday of the church. There's a happy birthday balloon, and that's what God did on that Pentecost Sunday. He filled the believers with the Holy Spirit, amen? And on this Sunday after Pentecost, I want to tell you that uh, we need the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, this is what the church is like. That's pretty much it. But here's the good news. Those that are filled with the Spirit can live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, be filled again with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit can grow and mature in their lives, and we can be renewed day by day. Amen? If we continue to offer ourselves and open our hearts and abide in Christ, the Holy Spirit will abide with us. Amen? In the Christian calendar, every holy, sacred day is the beginning of a season. Christmas Day is just the beginning of Christmas season. Easter Sunday, the beginning of Easter season. And the same with Pentecost. We're in the season of Pentecost. And here's my prayer for us. That in this season of Pentecost, you and I will be filled again with the Spirit. You and I will be renewed by the Spirit. You and I will be revived and refreshed in the Spirit. Isn't that a good desire? Isn't that a good prayer? Amen? I pray that it's true. Uh, Lori was kind enough to introduce a new song last Sunday, and she's going to lead us in that again. I hope it's the desire and prayer of your heart. Let's stand together as uh, our good friends lead us in this. As we repent and turn from sin, revival embers hold a ring, breath of God, fan us into flame. And we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit i 
ourselves to you. Fill us again, Father. Renew us. Revive us. Lord, begin with your church. And from your church, may that uh, revival, that renewal, spill out into a country and into this community and into families and homes and neighborhoods that so desperately need you, oh God. We're so grateful that the Holy Spirit doesn't just blow in and out, but that he abides, he abides. Hallelujah, he abides with me. We're grateful for all that you've given us, Father, your word, the fellowship of your church, and your spirit that lives within us. God, I pray that we would experience his presence and power, his comfort and counsel today, oh God. We lift up those that uh, need you today especially. Father, I suppose we all have someone on our heart that we love that is sick or struggling or lonely or feeling hopeless. We lift them up to you today. God, have mercy. Supply grace. Bring healing where it's needed. Bring victory where it's needed. Guide and, and, and protect, oh Lord. I pray for those that have gathered here today that Lord, in these few minutes we have together in your presence, that you would strengthen our faith, brighten our hope, and, and God, encourage us. And may we uh, go from this place today uh, even uh, more ready uh, to serve and follow you. And I pray especially today that everyone here would just experience your deep, deep love for them. Pour your love out into our hearts by the ministry of that spirit that lives within us. And God, uh, we pray all that with thanksgiving for all the ways you've already blessed us and helped us in years past. God, we come to you today and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you're seated, hug somebody. Nah, I'm not a hugger. Don't do that. Now you can if you want. Anyway, greet each other in the name of the Lord Jesus. Handshakes, hugs, high fives, it's all good. Good morning. It is good to be together in the house of the Lord today. Um, if you're a guest with us today, we want you. We want to connect with you. We want to be able to communicate with you. If you could fill out those connection cards we have and drop them off in the offering plate, that would be great for us to be able to connect with you guys at another another point in time. Um, 
we had teen camp this last weekend, and it was a great time. It was a great, great time. Um, the theme of the weekend was full sin. So it was entirely about the calling of God on your life and, and what that looks like and how, how do we process that as, as youth, as, as leaders, as what does it mean to be called by, by God. Um, and so it was a great weekend. We, we took, originally had nine, got a couple that got sick. So we had seven that went, uh, but it was a great time. Hattie Walk was one of those that went, and she's going to give her own experience and report from that. So let's give it up for Hattie. Um, hey, guys, I just want to start off by saying church camp did not just get me closer with God. It gave me a family. This year, I wasn't feeling the closest with my friends. We were all kind of in a bad mood and just had a lot on our plate have been going through a lot. In the beginning, we were kind of just taking it all out on each other. But then the first service of camp made us realize how much we need each other. We all got into the worship, singing and dancing and praising God together. In the whole, wait, hold on, sorry, guys. Singing and dancing together. It felt so amazing. One of the best feelings in the whole world, actually. I remember just looking around when we were all singing to be surrounded in a room full of people that love me for who I am but have also gotten me closer to God in the past year is really a great feeling, a feeling like no other, actually. I was down crying on my hands and knees the third service of camp how, because how hard my life has been this past year. But I remember just looking around at all the great people. They were all putting my hands, they were all putting their hands on my back, lifting me up towards God. Even though some of my friends were in a fight with me that day, we were still there for each other when it counted. As I looked up crying, I looked up my family, the people I look up to the, in the whole world the most, my church camp friends. I looked at my friend Adon, and with, without hesitation, I just said, I love you. There were both tears in our eyes. I will never forget the great memories that happen at church camp, whether it's playing nine square or running to the zip line to make it in time, or Caitlin saying, I'm geeking because how happy she is. I'm always going to remember it because it really is a life-changing event. I also want to say thank you to Scott for being such a supportive youth pastor, and thank you for this church for giving me the chance to have an experience like NYI camp. I really have gone through a lot in the past year. I lost my best friend, the person I thought I'd never lose to addiction. Loving someone that has an addiction is really one of the hardest things to go through because how much you love them, but all they care about is having that thing they're addicted to. They don't even realize how much you love them. But as I was going through that, I had God by my side and the great people I met at church camp to get me through it. I love my church camp family with my whole heart, and I always will. Even though we only see each other like two times a year, I feel like I've always known them. And every time I hear a song about God, I'm going to try and sing a little bit louder because he really has been so, so good to me. I, my favorite part of church camp was singing the lyrics, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Jesus. After those lyrics we sang together, the whole room went quiet. And I know I felt the presence of God. And I think I speak for everyone at camp. So I'm just going to say we felt the presence of God. I feel like church camp is really an experience like no other. The people are just so amazing, especially Lucas. He's the funniest kid on earth. So thank you, uh, everyone, for listening, and that's why I love church camp. Good job. Oh, that's your phone. I was going to steal her phone. No, that was good. Thank you, Hattie. Um, a few other announcements we want to get out. Uh, Drive-In Movie Night is coming up. That is going to be Friday, June 17th at dusk. So be sure to come on out for that. We need games. We need different things like cornhole and things like that. 
So if you have something that could be played, um, bring those along, please. But this is going to be a great time to bring the whole family out to uh, to a drive-in movie. We'll be watching Sandlot, an American classic. So that's going to be a good time. Uh, other details will be on um, the, the printout handout. Um, just another reminder that those baby bottles are due back next Sunday with the money that goes to Choices, uh, our local pregnancy center. So please bring those back in by next Sunday. Okay, so I have um, today's scripture reading will be from out of 2 Corinthians. If you want to get out your Bibles, it'll be in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. And if the uh, ushers want to come, we'll be taking the, the offering soon after this. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says, As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Let's pray. Lord, you work in mysterious and wonderful ways in our lives. You take what we give and you multiply it. We don't know how you do it, but you do, Lord. You take our feeble offerings and you, do, you make something amazing out of it. We are, are amazed at that fact, that that truth that you are the multiplier of our gifts. So let us not be shy. Let's, let us be bold in, in giving those gifts in ways that will affect others, that will truly build the kingdom. Uh, I pray that you be with our offerings and multiply them in the ways that you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? The shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He takes away.
much about me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, he makes a way when there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sin that he can't say. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is Hallelujah. Oh, that sounded really good. And I have earbuds in my ears, and I can still hear you. Oh, God is good. Aren't you thankful that Jesus changes your life? Oh, man. I don't know where I'd be without him. I'm so grateful for him. Oh, Holy Spirit, continue to come. We love you being here, Lord.
finished product in you. And you take all this mess and everything that we have done or are going to do and you turn it around and you make it beautiful. Somehow, even when we feel like we get in your way, you still can work. Lord, I pray that we will know your voice. That we will know what your word says about us, Jesus. For those that are here hurting, that have doubted you their whole life, that may not have believed that you were real, I pray your spirit touches them right now. They need you. Father, you are good. You're good, good, Father. We are grateful for how you see every detail in our life. You know our bodies from cell to cell. You heal you restore, you love. Jesus, you meet us where we're at. And I'm so thankful that your spirit is here to take care of us when we don't know what else to do. So, Lord, I ask you to come in more this morning, sweep through this place. Lord Jesus, wrap your loving arms around us. Speak to our hearts individually the way that you can only do. I pray that we will recognize your voice because it's so particular to us. And Lord, as Pastor Ben gets ready to come and bring your word, Lord, guard him, protect him, protect each person in every seat that's been prayed over this morning, Lord, and let your spirit flow through this place. Lord, we love you and we want you here more and more. So we invite you to come fully. We ask you to rush in here. Lord, we love you. Anoint the rest of the service and Pastor Ben. Continue to move in us, Jesus. We don't want to leave here the same. We want you to change us. And we love you. Thank you for taking us the way that we are and for loving us right where we're at because you know where we're going. We pray.
praise your holy name. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Grateful for the undying, unfailing love of God. Amen. Grateful for whose I am today. Praise his name. I'm missing my Kelly today. She's in Pennsylvania checking in on her mom. She got to see our youngest daughter, Abby, and our granddaughter, Emmy, yesterday. I'm envious, but I guess I got to see him a few weeks ago when she didn't see him. So she'll be back this week. Pray for safe travels for her. Before the message, a couple of updates. I uh, was in touch with our district superintendent, Dr. Virgil Askren, whose beautiful wife, Judy, is on the front row, and their daughter, Abby, with an EY, correct? I want to come give you a hug after service. I've heard lots about you, all good, from Maine, as far east as you can get in these United States, right? Anyway, um, was in touch with him this week, and it looks like he's going to meet with your church board in their August board meeting and begin the search and selection process for your new lead pastor. So just two months from today, he'll get that uh, process going with your board. And speaking of your board, we met yesterday for three hours on a Saturday morning, along with the staff and a newly selected transition team. You'll meet that transition team in two Sundays, and we'll pray over them. They have... uh, the important task of following up on some of the recommendations of uh, new church services that we've enlisted. We had a great meeting yesterday. Uh, you'll probably hear more about it in the days to come, but we began a process of uh, discerning God's direction and vision for uh, this church in the days ahead. That will be a process that you will be able to contribute to in the next few months, but just a encouraging, positive uh, time yesterday together, and I'm very grateful for that. Grateful for the leaders that, that you have in this church. Good time together. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. I'll get there in just a minute or two. Uh, Kelly and I have met uh, probably two dozen people from the community uh, by playing pickleball. We've really enjoyed that. And we actually had dinner with a couple this past week, and we got to talking about Christmas. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. Um, And we got to talking about uh, favorite Christmas gifts just for fun. This is a participatory part of the service. Is there a favorite Christmas gift that you received even uh, recently or as a child that comes to mind this morning? I want you to shout it out. A favorite Christmas gift. A plastic buffet with plastic pink dishes. That sounds so girly. That's good, though. Okay, good. What else comes to mind? A favorite Christmas gift. A bicycle. Two-wheeler or three, Timmy? Two. Okay, good. A Barbie dream house. Yes. I think my all-time favorite Christmas gift as a kid was an electric football set. Anybody ever have that? It's uh, got a bunch of men and little plastic prongs on the bottom, and you arrange them with a felt 
football that you put under whoever's going to run the ball, and then you flip a switch and the whole field vibrates. And uh, ideally, the football players are supposed to go down the field. In reality, they all just kind of scatter in different directions. But I love that game. And thinking about Christmas gifts, gifts generally, I think I like giving gifts better than getting gifts. And I'll have to say that I love, love, love watching my Abby and my Rebecca open their Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. I especially love giving a gift that I see is enjoyed and used. I think God's the same way. And the longer I live, the more I realize that life is a gift. Got to thinking about this a couple of years ago. I don't think I've shared this with you. If I've started to repeat myself already in three months, something's wrong. So if I am, tell me. But I realized a few years ago that the only reason I'm here today is because Benjamin Paul Spittler and Karen Ann Fowler consummated a marriage in April of 1959. And nine months later, almost to the day, here I am. That's the only reason. And the only reason Benjamin Paul Spittler and Karen Ann Fowler were here was because their parents did the same and back through history until we get to the very beginning, and the only reason any of us are here is God. We had nothing to do with it. Life is a gift. And I have to believe that God loves it when that gift is enjoyed and used as it was intended to be. I want to do more thing, uh, one more thing before I actually get to that Matthew chapter 25 uh, passage. I want to give away money this morning cash. It's in these envelopes. And I want to give it away to three people. The only stipulation is you need to know that you're going to be here in two weeks because you're going to give us a report as to what you did with this money. So I'll take any three people that want to come up and receive this cash on the barrel. I'm giving away money. Okay, Leslie, come on. Well, you don't have to write a report. I got two, Leslie, Bernie, Kanisha. All women, where are the guys? Come on, guys. Okay, I'm just going to do this randomly. Bernie, you get $5. Kanisha, you get $10. Les hey, don't get greedy. Leslie, you get $20. Now, I want you to do something good with that. And in two weeks... Sunday, June 26th, I'm going to bring you back, and we're going to have you give a brief verbal report as to what you did with that money. I have included in your envelope, along with the cash, uh, the passage that I'm going to read from here in just a moment as instructions for what to do. Okay? Big round of applause for three brave women right here. And by the way, the 20 that uh, Leslie received, I was given by an uh, almost complete stranger this past week who just wanted to give me $20. So uh, that may bear some fruit. Matthew chapter 25 at verse 14. Uh, I want to read uh, through verse 30, a familiar parable uh, this morning from uh, Jesus. Matthew chapter 25 at verse 14. 
Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money. Uh, A talent was the equivalent of a thousand bucks, so that first person got five grand. Uh, Leslie is really disappointed in her $20 this morning. To the one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. That's the word of the Lord. I'm preaching on the subject of uh, stewardship this morning. Let's see if I can get this thing to work today. Oh, yeah. Preaching on the subject of stewardship this morning, and uh, generally we associate that uh, with giving, specifically giving money, but it's much more than that, and I want to preach about the much more today been around the church for any length of time, you've heard your share of messages on the subject. Uh, but like a lot of subjects, maybe all the important, important ones, we need a reminder once in a while. And so this particular reminder message for today, it took a different direction for me when I prepared it, and that's reflected in that title of the message, A Sacred, a sacred Trust. Stewardship is a common theme in the scriptures from the very beginning, Genesis 1, when God blessed the first man and woman and said to them, let's read that together, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That's stewardship. 
and I've realized more and more as I've gone along in life just how significant stewardship is to the gospel and how central in this grand story that we're caught up in and how fundamental to this life of faith we're called to. Just in case the term stewardship is a new one to you, it simply describes the job of supervising or taking care of something for someone else. For us, the someone else is God. Ultimately, it's all His. Let's read this together, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And that's really the fundamental truth you have to believe in this matter of stewardship back to life is a gift. Amen? God told his people through the prophet Malachi that in withholding the tithe, for example, that first tenth, that first ten percent of anything that we earn or anything that we gain, that in withholding the tithe, they were robbing him. Those are strong words, robbing him. Why? Well, because it's his, and he's asked for it. We aren't owners of anything, really. It's all on loan from God. We're stewards, taking care of what is really God's, put in charge of the world and all that is in it, to enjoy, absolutely, to be provided for, you better believe it, and to do something with that benefits others. And that's really the end game of being good stewards, of being stewards of all that God has given to us, to invest what we've been given to make something of it. That's what the three servants in this parable were asked to do. And it wasn't the amount of the gift that was important. It varied per servant. It was what they did with what they were given. A few years ago, uh, Denzel Washington offered some spontaneous career advice to a group of young actors. His advice lines up with the key theme of Christian stewardship, I think. Here's what he said to that group. I pray that you all put your shoes way under the bed at night so that you've got to get on your knees in the morning when you wake up to find them. While you're down there, thank God for grace and mercy and understanding. We all fall short of the glory of God, Denzel said, but if you just start thinking about all the things you got to say thank you for, that's a day. That's easily a day. You'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Now, I've been blessed to make hundreds of millions of dollars in my life. I can't take it with me, and neither can you. It's not how much you have, but what you do with what you have. And we all have different gifts, some money, some love, some patience, some the ability to touch people, but we all have it. Use it. Share it. That's what counts. I think that's pretty good preaching. Amen. In preaching on the subject of stewardship over the years, I've included the need to trust God as we steward what we have, as we faithfully bring our tithes and offerings, as we give our time, our talent, and our treasure. 
but I've not thought so much about God's trust in us. The opening line in that parable of the talents grabbed my attention this time around. Again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Think about that. You and I have been entrusted. God is trusting us with what we've been given. Think about a time that you've been trusted with something. I'm thinking about a uh, guy back in our church in Maryland who's been trusted with uh, family members' money. He must manage two dozen other people's bank accounts or trust funds or estates or investments. It's incredible. They trust him to do that. I'm thinking of our Abby's friend, Bailey, who lives in Kansas City, who seems to be house-sitting someone else's house every other month. They trust her to go in there and not trash the joint, to take care of it, to, to feed and water the dogs, and for it to be in good shape when they get back. I've known a number of families over the years back home, and maybe there are some here uh, today who have served as foster parents. Imagine the trust when you hand that, that baby, that little boy, that little girl over to those folks to care for them. How about teachers? We trust our kids with teachers six hours a day, 180 days a year for 13 years. And on the list goes. It makes you realize how significant this matter of stewardship, taking care of, being charged with someone else's stuff is in life. Over the years, uh, since Kelly and I have been married, and it'll be 37 in October, we've gone to Longwood Gardens. Anybody ever happen to uh, go there? I know Danny is familiar with that neck of the woods. Beautiful, sprawling, uh, hundreds of acres of flowers, uh, gardens, and groves, and fountains. It's just beautiful. I love that place. And to connect the dots, it's especially nice at Christmas time in those greenhouses. They have quite a cast of people at Longwood Gardens that uh, take care of the place, keep it looking good, uh, keep things pruned and watered and weeded, none of whom own the place, not a one. It's just the same for us in this beautiful world of ours. God is trusting us with what he's given us. God is the owner. We are stewards. Once in a while in these kind of conversations, I get some pushback, and uh, someone will say something like, well, I've worked hard for what I have. Well, that may be true. Here's how I look at uh, what I have. Uh, It's a combination of hard work, God's blessing in some instances, and just good fortune in others. That's a good thing to recognize. As uh, I've looked at my life and compared it with others that I've encountered along the way and especially around the world, I've just been flat out lucky. Had a good start in life. 
But really all of those things, whether it's hard work or God's blessing or just good fortune, are ultimately from God. I come back to this passage, and I think I have read this since I've been with you um, in these three months. Here it goes again. I think this thing is got gremlins. Can you give me that next slide, Kylie? Deuteronomy chapter 8 on the verge of the uh, promised land. God said to his people, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Thank you, Kylie. You can move on. God has entrusted us with his wealth. And I think in this matter of stewardship, if we can just get beyond, uh, you know, the money, it's certainly a part of it, um, and recognize all that God has given us, whether we're five-talent people or two-talent people or one-talent people, we'll recognize that we're just loaded. What has he given us that we are stewards of? He's given us spiritual gifts. Every believer has some kind of gift from the Spirit, whether it's mercy or miracles or maybe it's one of the equipping gifts. God is trusting us to use those gifts for the good of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That last line. That's stewardship. God has given us talents and abilities. Maybe you can play pickleball or fix cars. Maybe you can make a mean cherry pie or maybe you're tech savvy. Uh, all of those God can use. Kelly has had this vision for a ministry by our young people to help us old folks with our technology. I think that would be a great ministry. Ought to call for an altar call right now, hoping a few of you youngins would come up. But, but they get the benefit of interacting with some folks that have walked the journey before. Maybe they'll gain something from those conversations. But doggone, my mom and Kelly's mom can use some help, and we're at our wit's end with them. You've had life experiences, some good, some very difficult ones that allow you to be a means of grace to someone else. You know, we all try to be there for uh, folks that are in a difficult time, but someone who's actually been there can be such a means of grace, such a help to them. Have you ever thought of yourself as the steward of your life experiences? Think about that. We have material possessions. Maybe it's a pickup truck, a spare room, a popcorn maker. I'm thinking of a guy back home whose pickup truck and spare room helped change a young man's life forever. God has given us physical bodies. We're on the subject of stewardship here. Temples of the Holy Spirit, and we should take care of them. We want them to last as long as possible. Amen? We've got influence. Have you ever thought about the stewardship of your influence? Someone's watching you. We've got kids, the ultimate stewardship, perhaps. I was listening to James Emery White, a pastor from one of the Carolinas, wrote a book about reaching Gen X. 
It was a church and culture conference this past fall, and he was talking about the responsibility that parents have for their kids. And one of the things that he said is that your, your kids, when they're young, they don't need you to be their pal. They need you to be their parent. You're charged with raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So quit asking them so many questions and make some statements and give them the guidance that they need. I thought that was right on. We've got money. Talents in this parable is currency, money, wealth. Uh, God has asked for our tithe and offerings above it as he leads. We've got time. Here's an interesting principle. A tithe your time. How many waking hours do we have if we get eight hours of sleep a night? That's about 112 if I'm remembering right. Tie that time. Give at least 11 hours a week directly to the uh, life and ministry of your church and relationship with God and others. Good place to start. We've got a capacity to love. First John 3:16. if you want to bring that slide up, Tyler. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Stewards of love. We've been given the gift of life and all that comes with it. We've been given the gift of new life in Christ. You and I are stewards of the gospel. God wants us to enjoy that. The benefits of saving faith in him. The benefits of God's, God's grace. But he wants us to, to use, use that, share that with others. That's quite a list, right? And God is trusting us to take care of it all. To enjoy it, absolutely. Our needs met, certainly and to do something with it for the good of others, to invest in. I've had a hard time, and as I read commentators, and you can move that slide forward, Tyler, thanks. Uh, commentators seem to struggle with the reason that third servant with a one talent gave for just hiding his master's uh, wealth in the ground until he got back. I knew you were a hard man and all that kind of thing. And one commentator Commentator said maybe that servant was afraid of failing, disappointing the master. But however you sort that out, that third servant played it safe. He did the bare minimum. And as a steward of all that God has gifted me with, I don't want to be that way. I want to take some risk. I want to invest. I want to do something. I want to dream big in this matter of stewardship. What we have comes with expectations and a day, just like in the parable, when the owner, the Lord Jesus, will return and settle up. There are expectations, there are hopes, hopes for what God has given us to be stewards of. And here's the thing, God's expectations are always tied into redemption, his plan to set the world right again, his Efforts to save the world, to making the world a better place in Jesus' name. Longwood Gardens, for example, is enjoyed by hundreds of thousands of people every year. That's what God is after. 
in enlisting us to steward this beautiful world and life that he's given to us. And that's God's hope and desire for what he's entrusted with us, whether it's giving money or sharing the gospel. And God takes pleasure in what he sees us doing and what he's given to us. There are expectations, there are hopes, and here's good news, there's help. In this matter of stewardship, God doesn't just give us our to-do list and say, get this done or else. He doesn't shove us out the door and tell us we're on our own. God helps us be good stewards. Jesus is the man going on a journey in the parable of the talents, and he'll come back just as the man in the parable did. But in between his ascension and his return, he's promised to be with us, and he is helping us all along the way. So a sacred trust. God is trusting us. So back to a message I've preached before, we can trust God. We can trust him to take care of us. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We can trust him to be in charge. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. We can trust him to give us time and talent and treasure both to enjoy and more importantly to invest in others. He'll meet our needs and give us enough to share with others. We can trust him to use what we have and do and give. Those students our teachers teach, those foster babies, that young man sleeping in that spare room, that offering that you gave this morning or that is taken out of your account every month, God is doing something to touch lives with those gifts. We can trust him to bless what we give and invest. Malachi, that command to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse comes with a promise and see if the floodgates of heaven don't open up, and I bless you more than you could have ever imagined. As a steward of great wealth, you can trust God, and he's trusting you to be a good steward of the time, the talents, the influence, the money, the life that he's given you. Amen? Our worship team's going to come back, and they're going to lead us in a closing song. As they do, I'm, I'm thinking that every time I preach a message like this, I'm reminded that the first and most important offering that we ever give in life is the offering of ourselves. That's where it all begins. And all the other offerings that we might give flow from that first and most important offering. And in fact, when we have presented ourselves as living sacrifices and offering to God, all the other offerings in life will be our desire and will be a joy. As we close the service today, perhaps we could offer ourselves again to Him. Amen? May it be so. Praise be to the Lord. All throughout history, your faithfulness is 
brings us all together, and every single one is vital to get someone to the foot of the cross. We need each other. 
and we need to give those things back so he can use them. He just poured it into us so we can use them to lead people to Jesus. And it's so beautiful to watch how the Spirit does that. So don't hold back. You've got all this stuff inside of you that God gave you to use for him. And there are days I'm tired. Anybody else get tired? Or you think it's not important? There's days that you just think, oh, it doesn't matter. That's really not that important. But to someone else, your gift is important. God put it there to lead them to him. So I'm excited about that. Anybody else excited to know that you've got 11 hours this week to lead somebody to Jesus? Isn't that awesome? He gave you 11 hours on top of your gifting. Bonus. That's a bonus. It's awesome. I'm grateful for that. Let's pray together before we leave for our week. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking through Pastor Ben this morning, Jesus, and touching our hearts. Father, I pray that you will make us brave and courageous to use the gifts that you've given us to lead people, to know how much you love them and how precious they are to you. And they don't know it yet. That you're not this person sitting up in heaven judging them and telling them that they've been bad their whole lives. But you are a God that loves them like a father loves his children. And you love us and you want each person to not only use their gifts for your kingdom, but to use your gifts to fulfill what you have in their lives. So Lord, help us to steward well. And I pray, Father, that you will open our eyes of our hearts to see those people you put in front of us this week. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to pray for our community in this church, Lord, and the person sitting to our left and to our right and forward and backwards. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will draw us in closer this week, that you'll protect us as we go out into the field. And Father, I pray that we will honor you with our words, thoughts, and deeds. And Lord, that we will seek your face all week long until we meet again together. We love you, Lord. You are so good to us. Thank you for being alive and well. Thank you for the cross, for Jesus, and for thinking of every detail of every person you ever created and how to touch them and draw them near to you. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a wonderful week. whisper sweet and low fear not I am with thee peace be still in all of life's ebb and flow though sometimes he leaves